And so I'm really, really hoping that we can get back to school. Me too. As soon as possible, <laughs> because we need our kids to but learn and so, not fall behind. So especially we need everybody to universal precautions. We need right? everybody doing the same thing. So we collectively decide that our goal is that we want to get kids back in school so we can get parents working. Then we collectively decide that we're going to do all the same thing. And that's the that's what other countries did. They collectively mm-hmm. did things. And we're we I know we're big and we all want you know have different goals, but if we want the economy to come back the way that we need it to, if we want parents to be able to do what they need to do, if we want kids to feel good again and not all this trauma all day, every day, then how about we collectively decide to do universal precautions together? Well, I, I've got an answer because half of us have, have collectively decided to tell the, the government or whomever that you can suck on our star-spangled ding-dongs. <laughs> <laughs> that was an awesome post. I love that post. <laughs> right. The Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. For this episode, Colt and I sit with our good friend and returning guest, Michelle Benedict. Michelle is a mindfulness practitioner, a teacher, public speaker, critical thinker, and an all-around lover of life. During this episode, you will hear us discuss virtual learning in schools, other teaching challenges during the quarantine, COVID-19 in general, life after receiving a cancer diagnosis, the great mask debate, trauma, and much more. So, without further introduction, here we go. Hey, everybody, welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Colt. Yes, sir. And with us, again, our good friend, returning guest. Third time. Third time is a charm. Michelle Benedict. How you doing today, Michelle? Um, I'm doing well. AKA Mindfulness, Michelle. I forgot to throw that in there. Yeah? You're doing well? I am. It's very good to see you. Thanks for coming up to see us today. Yeah, no problem. In the rain. Always happy to make the trip. Was it? It was up this time. It was up instead of down. That's true. You made the move. Mm -hmm. Why the move? What happened? Wow, that's a loaded very first question. Okay, let's do it. I'm just going to jump right in there. You (laughs) give me the open door. So, um... Last year, I went back to teaching. I think we the last time we talked was I had gone back to teaching. And yep. um, then I uh, had kind of a horrendous beginning of the year with some students that um, like physically hurt me, a kid that hurt me a couple times mm. and hit me with a Chromebook in the back of the head. And, uh, and I had already been thinking, maybe I want to teach younger kids <laughs> because the kid's size, even a fourth graders sometimes can be quite large. And, um, you know, if I'm in a, in a position of, of, uh, you know, on the floor or something where I can, I could get seriously injured. That's a fear for me as somebody who doesn't really want to get injured while they are right. on a job teaching children <laughs> by a child, especially right. like it would be different if it was like something else, but I'm not going to get physically injured by kids. So, um, I, uh, I was already looking for jobs in early childhood. That was my other certification. And I thought about it. And then, um, and then I got a diagnosis of cancer, uh, in the spring, um, and uh, I, everything paused, uh, even though I still had to go to work and do all the things. Like, I don't remember a little bit of chunks of time because I wasn't sleeping very well and I was just having bad dreams and just like, whoa. <laughs> because uh, the problem is, is whenever you get a diagnosis, then, you know, the, there's all these tests and then scheduling. And so I had to wait from the time that I found out about seven weeks until I got to have surgery. 
and they can't tell you uh, what the kind of cancer I had. They couldn't tell me until they had the surgery and could test the actual, um, you know, and stage it and everything to tell me whether I would need a follow-up radiation or chemotherapy or Mm -hmm. anything like that. So that for me was like a huge worry because then I was going to be out of school. I'm the primary person. I'm the only, you know, I'm the income in my family. Uh, and so, uh, my kids were graduating, you know, so it was just like, everything was like, Whoa. (laughs) So then, um, I had my surgery on March 13th. Um, when a lot of people started to really understand that we might shut down soon. Uh, I was so lucky because that would have considered my surgery elective for, because it wasn't, um, because they had biopsied and they knew that I wasn't like late stages, but they, you know, still yet they would have waited a little bit longer. So Mm. I was really lucky that I got to have the surgery the day that I did. Um, and then I had planned to come back, uh, after spring break, I was taking two and about a half weeks off because we had spring break in there and I took one full week off. Um, because I thought that would be, you know, I'd be okay because I'm pretty good at bouncing back. And um, the next Tuesday after my surgery is when they shut down. So uh, the great thing, the positive thing is that I was exhausted when I had surgery and now thinking I, I, had, I needed at least four or five weeks to recover just from that, a lack of sleep, lack of just feeling like in stuck in on mode all day, every day, and still trying to function. And uh You know, on the other side of that, you know, once I found out that I didn't have to do anything, uh, you know, as far as uh, radiation or chemotherapy, that the surgery was enough. And then once I got the rest, everyone else was, uh, it's funny because that was the worst part of the, the lockdown was for everybody else. But for me, I needed to be able to have that time given to me so that I could do what I needed to do, which was heal. And, um, and really reflect on everything, mm-hmm. everything, like the relationships, the time, my energy, my kids, my role in my family, um, my role in what I want to be from this point on. Because, again, my kids, my, the last two of my kids are graduated and finally last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. 24 years. That was awesome. <laughs> 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 Four kids, they all graduated and all, you know. Nice. Yeah, it's all doing well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a long road for that. So, it's a, you know, already was going to be a transition year. And so, wow. Uh, so like I said, it felt like kind of a gift to get that time to heal. And during that time, I was like, you know, I don't know that I really want to be away from my two best friends, which are my two youngest kids. They've lived with me. They're the, my older two kids, um, mostly live with their dad and came back and forth with me. My two youngest kids, I've been the sole ma- main caregiver in their life, the rock, you know? And so we're, 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 we, get along. We do things. We have fun. It's, it's a good relationship. And I don't really, didn't really want to be three and a half hours away from that. Uh, I wanted them to be able to come home for dinner like once a week, or like if my daughter wants to go for a walk one afternoon that we can do that because, or go kayak or whatever, those are the things we enjoy doing. And so that I want to make sure that I cultivate the most important relationships now. Mm. And so I'm going to really, like, I was already trying to live intentionally, but now it's like, I've thought about that circle of control, what's really in that circle and not what I perceive to be in that circle. Because whenever you think you might die, it becomes very clear what's in the circle um, and the people and things you don't want in the circle. 
even though they might be there. So I let go of a lot of relationships, including relationships in my family that were toxic because I needed to feel, I don't need to feel obligated to give my energy to people who don't appreciate or love me unconditionally also. Yeah. Right. So that's where I'm at. Uh, and so I decided to look for a job and it's so funny cause I applied for 11 jobs. I had seven interviews. I had three offers and I got to pick what I wanted to do. Nice. So I picked an early childhood job. It was awesome. And, um, I love, I, I, I love that I'm going to teach little kids because that thing that I love about teaching mindfulness, teaching that beginner's mind is already there with a four-year-old. So I'm so mm-hmm. excited to get to do that. Um, I'm concerned about what that might look like <laughs> this year, but, um, I, I, you know, I'm going to do the best I can, no matter where I am. I did the virtual teaching in the spring. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> we don't have to mention the region or any of the town or anything like that, but your concern is mindfulness in that area. Is that right? No, no. My concern is how the, uh, how the, that works whenever I only get so much, if I get to get in-person time with them. Gotcha. If I don't, because... Because of the state For of me, the- it's... I, you you kind of need that in-person relationship a little bit to make the online relationship work okay. Right. Because they need to know you like a real person. And a real person doesn't feel like that behind a screen. Sure. I don't care who you are. You can't feel someone's energy the same way as you can in the room, which is why I, I like to make the drive and work with you guys because mm-hmm. I'd rather be in the room with you. I, I, I can see you on video and that's fine. And I, we could have a... a a perfectly good conversation, but I like the energy in the room. Oh, yeah, so. It's not the same. It's, no. it's definitely not the same. We've done enough video conferencing nowadays since the quarantine that we know very good and well that you'd much rather be in the room with someone. Totally. Like we knew it before, but now it's like been reinforced by all of the yes. experiences that we've had. Yeah. It's just a different energy that's involved. Yeah. So think about that with kids because they don't know how to adapt in the same way that we do to different situations they you know building a relationship is an is a connective thing that you have to do Mm -hmm. a little bit in person right (laughs) that's why i think online dating sucks because i don't think that people uh know how to do that and then get to that next okay well we actually want to meet in person there's a whole not just like we're going to hide behind a screen the whole time kind of thing um and so uh yeah i'm i'm concerned because little kids need hands-on they need hugs they need people in front of them. And right now I'm supposed to go in person or doing like a hybrid thing where I I'll go in person. They're splitting my kids in half uh, Monday and Tuesday. I'll have them in person and the other half will be doing some virtual things. Then Wednesday, everyone's out of the building for cleaning. And then the second half come Thursday and Friday. And then the, yeah. So I'm not sure what virtual preschool looks like. Um, It'll again, be interesting. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm trying not to think about it much until I go to teacher meetings because I can't do anything about it until and until it's it, you know explained to me what I'm going to be able to do. And so I'm sure that might change even in the next 11 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not really going to bank on anything until then. <laughs> until I walk like- in the building and they say, here's your schedule and here's your plan. <laughs> It seems like for the first time ever, kids actually are ready to go back to school and not like, I think they've yeah. had enough time off that they're like, all right, I yeah. need to see my people. I need to see yeah. my friends. Well, they've had stuff. the length of yep. a school year. Yeah. Since we've, since we shut down, it's been the length of a school year to mm. go back and yeah, that's, we're ready to go back to, I'm so ready. I know a lot of people in uh, other areas and just in other schools, I don't want to go back. And I, and I totally respect that. I myself 
don't feel um, like I'm in a high risk category. Um, I also feel like the schedule and the and the the precautions that they're going to have in place because they're the, the kids are going to have to be masked and I am too. Um, we're working with a very small group. I'm talking ten kids at a time. I feel pretty good about that. Little kids also are the smallest transmissioners right now as far as studies are concerned, mm -hmm. mostly because you don't usually let your four-year-old go interact with a thousand people. Right. Now your eight-year-old, because they touch so many other things, you don't have as much control. You definitely control your four-year-old a little bit more. So I feel pretty good about what's in place. Uh, I, I do worry about teachers in general across the state because the median teacher age is 42, which is my age, but our, our curve is on the higher end, not on the lower end. We have more older teachers than we have younger teachers. Mm. And so they're in the higher risk category. And so what do we, are, you know, that's, that's where the fight is, mm -hmm. is that people don't, they're looking at maybe their local school and maybe they have a, a local school of young teachers or teachers in my age range. But there's plenty of schools across the state that have a lot of older teachers. And so that's what you, you it's hard to make a decision for that, that covers everyone. Yeah. I hear that a lot. People in a certain region say, well, I don't see anything going on here. We're not in a high, a hot spot, a red mm -hmm. spot, whatever the red zone. Mm -hmm. And so in, in the nursing facilities, you know, they're, they're wanting to be not quarantined. Like mm -hmm. they're getting tired of being on quote unquote lockdown. Mm -hmm. And they're like, but nobody's sick here. I'm like, yeah, but the, the, the state makes decisions on a statewide basis. Mm -hmm. And so there are other places in, in the state mm -hmm. where there is a lot of sickness. There's a lot of illness. There's a lot of community spread. And so they're having to make decisions based on the whole as opposed mm -hmm. to with each individual part. Mm -hmm. And it's tough for people to realize that. It's tough for them to see that because they're only seeing what's in front of them. Because, well, for one thing, they can't get out. They're quarantined. Right. Yeah. And so they don't have access. And they mm -hmm. see the news, but the news is like this intangible cesspool of just you know negative information that it just is. keeps coming at you. So fear. what do you believe? Yeah, it is. It's mm -hmm. completely fear-based. Mm -hmm. And so we try to mitigate for that too. But it's a tough situation right now. And I fall into the same under the same thing sometimes, you know, because we're down here in more of a rural area, not a lot of community spread. Always watching the numbers. The big thing we have here is within the prison system. Yeah, um, that's a that's a concern. Once it, once it gets in there, bam! It's just it's because all wildfire. the employees and everybody's family that has employees that work there. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, it's still it still should be a concern to rural people only because where do your supply chains come from? Absolutely. And so people don't think about where do the supply chains come from? That delivery person that delivers to that grocery store, how many people do they? How many people a day do they expose themselves to on the road or wherever they are? And that's my concern with living where I live, as I live near a tourist area and i don't really worry so much about my my you know the local people who live there mm -hmm. but i i don't use the gas station uh that's right down around the street from me because um there's a tourist trap right there and i am certainly uh, sure that everybody gets their gas they go have their uh their meal and then they uh <laughs> right. and then they uh, go to the gas station so i don't go there mm -hmm. i will purposely get gas another place other than right around the street from my from my house, yeah, and that's okay. I think that's a smart choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's okay to make little smart choices like yeah. that. Just little little changes. Yeah. Just just why not? It's not going to hurt you. Right. It's just making you think a little little more mm -hmm. in a little more in depth. Yeah. To what you're doing. I'm not a germaphobe, but I definitely just pay attention mm -hmm. to what I do. I keep, uh, you know, I wear a mask whenever I go places that I'm going to be in. You know. <laughs> inside. Mm -hmm. Uh I'm going to I'm going to uh you know, wash my hands a lot. I already did those things, which is fine. I think that's why I'm yeah. I have a pretty good immune system as it is, but right. um but I also just think 
you know, just being a little vigilant. It, I don't think that it's what can I hurt? Mm-hmm. Right. I guess that's what I look at is it might not it help me, but if it helps you or if it helps somebody else that I, that I care about or even somebody that they care about, then I'm totally fine with wearing a mask or washing my hands <laughs> or wearing gloves if you ask me to. Or I mean, I've been doing it the whole time and it's fine. I mean, I had kids that were, uh, high, you know, the high uh, whatever, as essential workers. I'm sorry. I had to think about it because um, they worked at the gas station and one worked at McDonald's. And, you know, we had a little system then because I had just come out of surgery. Okay. Right. But now, you know, they don't work there. So, you know, they just don't go places <laughs> mostly and hang out, you know, hang out with only one friend at a time and that kind of thing. So, so well, so- something you said though, that I don't think a lot of people think about is they think, okay, well, I'm going to walk into Walmart. I'm going to wear my mask. I should be fine. But like you said, the delivery chain and all the people that touch everything that you do, just because there's a can on the shelf doesn't mean that one person put that in a can and then walked it to that shelf and put it on the shelf. I mean, it went through (laughs) all sorts. Yeah, a supply chain of people Mm -hmm. to get there before Mm -hmm. it got put on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And then Walmart can shut things down and then clean as good as they can. But it's not like they're cleaning everything on every shelf or anything like that. So it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> still, it's just it, that, I, I, people don't think about that. I don't think. Yeah. Have, have you all seen the the video? It's a it's a social media video, but it's I think it actually come from uh, Comedy Central, the news uh, daily. What's it called? The daily daily news, whatever it's called. John Stewart used to host daily, it. It's a daily, the daily show. show. The daily show. Yeah. With yeah. Trevor Noah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, the Great Mask Debate. Have oh, you seen that yes. video? And, and it, at the beginning of this, it says, I promise they're not saying masturbate because every time <laughs> it sounds like it, it does. Right. <laughs> every I mean, but but it's funny, though, because every news channel is, has this the, the, the mask debate, the mask debate is big and they're perpetuating the masturbate part's funny. But that, that wasn't my point. Right. That was just a funny little side note. There's this debate on whether or not you should wear a mask. And my and I've mentioned this before on the show, but my it, it blows my mind. That this is still a right versus left issue. It's like it's just a health thing, like a safety belt, or a, like it's like okay, if you know that you need to do it, like just to be safer. Yeah. Why not? If if it worked in other countries, and that's why other countries are mitigating it better, mm-hmm. especially that if we've seen data from other countries that okay, we've done X Y Z, and now we're doing better. Why wouldn't we want to do that? Right. Because people feel <laughs> like rather it's, be mad. <laughs> people feel like it's infringing on their rights. Like this is this is a thing they should not have to do because simply because the government's telling them to do that. Wash their hands. <laughs> right. I, I'm a rabid hand washer anyway. I always have. Oh my been. goodness. Always yes. Have well, been. but but it's it's just, and I, we actually talked about this on another podcast that I do, the Raised on the Radio. But mm-hmm. it's not the people that a lot of people are so adamant about not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. It's bet that they are being told to wear a mask and they feel like that freedom is being taken away. They want to make a choice away. to wear Yeah, they want, but it's like, I don't care to wear one, but you not if you're going to tell me to wear one. I'm like, that's a pride thing. There's no reason. Well, the CDC recommended them for now since, uh, you know, March. And so they recommended them, and but nobody mandated them. So you did have a choice for a really long time. And look at the choice you made. <laughs> and now we are getting to the point where, okay, we're done giving you a choice. Now everybody needs to do universal precautions consistently so we can just get done with this, please. So I can go back to school right. and you guys can all ship your kids back to school because that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants that. But I don't 
don't want people to die for that. Right. No. It, re- it reminds <laughs> me, I used to work in a factory, right, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And once you got past your 90-day probationary period, it was a union shop. So that you were supposed to wear safety glasses all the time. They're uncomfortable. They fog up. It, you know, it was yeah. just uncomfortable. Well, people who had gotten past their 90-day stopped. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they were they were being told to do it, and they wanted to rebel against that. Mm-hmm. And if you were the guy that still wore your safety glasses, well, you were a, you were a chump, right? You were a punk. And so once I got past my 90 days, my eyes be damned. Like if I caught a wire in my eye and, and, and would become blind, whatever, because, I, because they were telling me to do it, I was going to go ahead and take the chance of losing an eyeball because it was a rebellious thing that, that mm-hmm. we did collectively. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of the mask. Yeah. There's <laughs> so, lots of little rules like that that people bend. Right. That if you think about it, this seat is... Seatbelts? Yeah. 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 I, I rebelled against seatbelts for a long time. It's like, don't tell me to wear a seatbelt in my own vehicle. How dare you? How dare you? That I have part of that, but the other part of that is if somebody is allowed to drive a motorcycle, ride a motorcycle, but I have to have a, a seatbelt on in my car, I don't understand how those two things... Well, I think whenever you choose to ride a motorcycle, you know that you're literally have no safety and that like as far as if you flip, you're you're going to flip off. There's no safety there. So you're you're electing mm-hmm. to like be open and not have a roll <laughs> cage or any of that. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But in a car, like I, whenever I was a kid, oh, I want to say 89, I, we were riding in the back seat of my sister Chevelle and um a friend of mine who was sitting, there was nobody in the passenger seat. My sister was driving and I was sitting behind my sister. Um, somebody was driving on the wrong side of the road and me and my friend uh, weren't wearing seatbelts because they weren't required by law. My sister was. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend got ejected out of the car through the windshield and onto the ground. And she had to have all these skin grafts and everything. So I got really um, seatbelt. Uh, I was about my seatbelt for mm-hmm. a long time because of that. And, and it only takes one person to get you watch somebody get ejected um, and then listen to them in the ER with the glass getting pulled out of their face that you're like, yeah, that's pretty much worth it. And that's what's funny is like it's kind of the same thing with the mask. Like, yes, 99 percent of the time you're not going to get ejected. And so there's really, you know, most of the time you're just putting it on for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But it's that one percent time. That you die, <laughs> that I might mean, be sort of worth putting a mask on to go to, you know, Walmart. I mean, I, mean, I, I <laughs> it's the same thing. Like you said, it really yeah. is. I mean, I, I know stats are going to show that the majority of people who are wearing seatbelts that are in wrecks are the ones that their lives were saved. But you also do have wrecks where if you totally. were wearing your seatbelt, there's you no way died. you would have died. Totally. I agree. But that's this, you know, but very I mean, small. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there will be any statistics saying that if you wore a mask that you may have infected yourself even more heavily? No. I don't no, know. I, have I don't no idea. That. I was just going to, I was just pulling that out of my butt completely. Yeah, but, that was perfect. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so another, is, is there any judgment from either of you when you see some, if you go into a store and somebody's not wearing a mask, do you, do you judge them a little bit? Nope, because I'm going to wear mine. I don't. I don't care. Don't. I, don't I don't care. care. I'm going to do mine and you do you. And I wish that we all made the same choice for universal precautions just because I want to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I can't make anybody do anything, and I know that. So another thing I wanted to bring up, though, the difference between the safety glasses or the seatbelt <laughs> is that that's only affecting the person. With the with the community spread, with the mask, yeah. it's supposedly, and, and I believe it, but it, it is... 
uh, affecting others around you. It's, yeah. it's affecting the population. So it's not just you that you're wearing the mask for. It's that little old lady that's standing there looking at the flower. Right. And I happen to sneeze, maybe asymptomatic, and I have COVID, and I sneeze all over mm-hmm. her and give her the, the germs. So that's just that's just one one possibility there of, of, of why or, or one factor as to why the, the mask isn't just for me. It's for everyone else around me, for right. the community. Because then, who does she mm-hmm. spread it to? So on and so forth. Well, the reason why I asked that the judgment thing is because I was – so I, when I was at the gym this morning, I was watching uh, – I wasn't really watching it, but just in passing, there was uh, two business owners in St. Louis that were doing an interview. And the interview was outside. And it was just them two standing next to each other, and they were both wearing a mask doing the interview outside. And I was thinking, all right, if I go to Walmart – probably the majority of people are wearing masks inside Walmart, but the second people walk out of Walmart, they take that mask off on their way to their car. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, if you're doing an interview outside, is it that important that you're wearing a mask or not? Were they standing really close to each other so that they could? Yeah, I mean, those two, yeah, I guess. That that would be the only reason, I guess, in my mind, is if they were standing very close to each other and they didn't know each other. Or they, you know... Well, well, I don't... I think think they're... They were business owners, but I, th- I don't know if they were married or not. Mm. But if, if they were, so that's one of those things too is like when it comes to restaurants and stuff, if, as long as you're with your group, most places you can go in and sit down at the table. And mm-hmm. as long as you're with your group, you don't have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like if those two people knew each other or they were married or whatever, then I would see, I'd be like, well, why is this? Because you would think you're at least six foot away from a cameraman. For sure. Or something like that. You yeah, know? So, yeah. I don't know. But it was it- just... Just thoughts that ran, ran through my head this morning when I was. But yeah, that. I guess that would be for me the only reason is if like. But I, I just wonder if it's just a visual thing. It's maybe. just like if they weren't wearing it, people are going to go crazy maybe. because they weren't wearing masks. That's maybe possible. And, and social media once again, uh, yet another cesspool for for a lot of information. Since, since when? But, yeah, I know, right? But what what it, it it bothers me to, I guess to the extent that it does bother me, which you know I, I water off a duck's back for the most part. But mm-hmm. I see people on both extremes. I see people who say, "You people without masks, you're killing us." You know, how dare you? You know, and they just they just berate mm-hmm. and, and judge these people that mm-hmm. aren't wearing masks. Then the other side, of course, we kind of already talked about that. You know, the people who call other people sheep for wearing a mask, yeah. so on and so forth. I think both of those extremes are just wrong. Yeah, I just think you're wrong. For one thing. If you've got a point, and I try to say this as often as possible, and this is actually one of the reasons why Colt and I, this was kind of the, the culmination of cerebral, is trying to get to a, a place where we could have conversations without berating, without losing the other side, because you've already lost me on either side of this conversation. If you if, if you call me a sheep or if you say that I'm killing the innocent old lady who's buying flour, either way, right? right? You've already lost me. You're, <laughs> yep. you're not going to convince me of anything. Right. You know, we, we need to have a good conversation where you can come to the middle and say, you know, this is why... I think you should wear a mask. Or this is why I think that you shouldn't. Either Most way. Most are gray. I, I, you know, whenever absolutely. I was younger, I really had a more black and white viewpoint of things until I had more experiences that made me understand how gray a lot of our decisions are. Because, yeah, you can make a decision this way and it might have this outcome or a myriad of others and you might make the other and it have, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So sometimes damned if you do. I mean, in the spring, Everybody was so happy that teachers taught virtually and we're so, you know, we, we were like applauded and like heroes. And now that people don't want to die, they're like, you just don't want to do your job. We should not pay you. We should defund education more than it already is. Let's totally. Ouch. Right. Well, there, there's a, they're suing. Uh, there's a group suing my school district to go back five days a week 
um, and, uh, of, of parents. And, uh, you know, I understand. I totally do. I, I get it. I was a single mom and I'm so grateful that my kids are in college that if they don't have school that they can just come home and, right. or if they don't, you know, whatever they, I, they've got cars and things like that. I don't have to worry about it. But mm-hmm. if I had a little kid at home and I, I couldn't take them to school, I would, I don't know how it would have worked. I, d- I don't know how that, th- that's supposed to work either. I totally get both sides very well. But the problem is, is I don't get to make the decision. I, heck, I don't even mostly get imp- any kind of input on the decision and how it's made mm-hmm. uh, for me. And I just have to do it. So, yeah. Uh, but I definitely need my paycheck. So defunding education more than $130 million Parson already cut us this year. Uh, well, how about no? <laughs> right. Yeah. Please don't do that. <laughs> well, I, I, we are ready for our kids to go back to school, not simply for the fact that we need basically them to be out of the house while we work. My kids do not learn as well at home. No. They, they just don't. No. Some kids do. Some kids can be homeschooled and they can thrive. Yeah. They can do well. My kids just don't respond to us in that way like they do to a an outside third party. For sure. You know, a stranger at first, and they, they build that relationship with their teachers. And their teachers can teach them in a way that my wife and I just cannot do it. Yeah. Um, I, I wish it were different, but it's not. We could never do homeschooling just for that reason. And so I'm really, really hoping that we can get back to school. Me too. As soon as possible <laughs> because we need our kids to but learn and so, not fall behind. So especially we need everybody to universal precautions. We need right? everybody doing the same thing. So we collectively decide that our goal is that we want to get kids back in school so we can get parents working. Then we collectively decide that we're going to do all the same thing. And that's the, that's what other countries did. They collectively mm-hmm. did things. And we're, we, I know we're big and we all want, you know, have different goals, but if we want the economy to come back the way that we need it to, if we want parents to be able to do what they need to do, if we want kids to feel good again and not all this trauma all day, every day, then how about we collectively decide to do universal precautions together? Well, I, I've got an answer because half of us have, have collectively decided to tell the, the government or whomever that you can suck on our star-spangled ding-dongs. <laughs> <laughs> that was an awesome post. I love that post. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we do, we do have, as a country, kind of founded on that rebellious spirit, right? I mean, we just yeah. were like, you know, screw you, I won't do what you tell me. Um, so then we're, so then that's, but the outcome is whatever we're going to put our energy toward. If we're going right. to put our energy toward doing things collectively, then we'll have a good collective outcome. If we keep fighting over it, we're going to keep having disjointed bad collective bad outcomes because that's what's happening i mean it's going to keep getting worse it's not going to get better until we decide okay done with this this isn't working we're going to go do this but we haven't gotten there yet not not as a whole right without putting any science or anything behind it any any moral obligation nothing i just wish we'd go one way or the other yeah let's just get everybody get the virus to get over with and see what happens or you know let's just one way or the other let's just do this thing and get it done but i just want some kind of unity on some yeah level mm. i'm tired i um, I, I, hate I was so excited like uh, once we got done with lockdown and like i felt really good and i got to go out and get a bike and move and do these things and now i want everybody it's hard because actually my life is pretty good right now and everybody's complaining all the time and honestly I I'm feeling really good. 
I want other people to feel really good. Why can't we see some perspective on this? And and if we have the ability to fix it, we do. We already know what we what we can do. Right. It's kind of crazy to me why we wouldn't want to when we're so much better better ways to spend our time than worrying about this and talking about it. Well, we could have already solved it like other countries have. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane to me. Yeah. But it's an election year, so we have to make everything crazy, extra spin and extra crazy instead of just making it factual. And It seems to me like every year is an election year it nowadays, does. though. It does. It's We're either just, coming off of this or getting ready for that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. always something political, which it still amazes me. It still amazes me that we can politicize anything. Every, the well, environment. Yeah. Pollution. You know, the, uh-huh. you know that's that's all politicized. COVID's politicized. Everything. Uh-huh. Everything that's an issue in our in our day is going to be politicized one way or the other mm-hmm. because it can be used to manipulate the populace for election purposes, for political purposes. And Well, that's because we're run by lobbyists and not by people who represent us. Very true. You know, that's who that's who gets the votes. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned trauma, so let's just go ahead and kind of segue into sure. a, a trauma talk that we've been talking about talking about mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, I know that you've done a lot of work on trauma. Mhm. And, you know, a, a big catchphrase nowadays, I've even done training on it myself, is being trauma-informed mm-hmm. and how we just need to be informed about what trauma is and kind of how to, as much as possible, mitigate the, the trauma responses and, and the symptoms that come along with things like PTSD and just any kind of trauma. Um, why don't you start, if you could, just tell us a little bit about trauma from your perspective, how you, how you come to start working with trauma and people who have suffered from trauma and so on and so forth. Well, um, I mean, what's interesting about trauma is everybody thinks it's like this big thing. And trauma is anything that's outside of your window of tolerance. So your window of tolerance, depending on who you are um, and what the situation is, can be very narrow or can be very wide. So I always tell people, just because this is very true, my my window of tolerance for children is very wide because I know that they're still learning. I know that um, you know they're going to make lots of mistakes. And then for adults it's a little smaller just because I feel like they've had a lot of time to have experiences and make decisions and have some knowledge not to be an asshole. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's not always the way it works. So I have a little bit, you know, that's my, it's a good explanation. So, so for different situations, different people, you have a different window of tolerance. Um, so trauma is anything outside of that window where you don't have, a, a you know, coping, where you can't cope, where you're like outside of like, I can just go, you know, uh, run it off. You know what I mean? Right. It's beyond that. It's, it's, I didn't, it's not, I just had a bad day. Um, and I've got to run it off, but the accumulation of those days where I've got to run it off, do your, your body kind of then over time, uh, will have too much of that stress hormone, uh, which is what causes problems in your brain over time. So stress, that's why stress kills us is because it, it damages our organs and damages our brain over time. That's why stress is definitely the number one killer, in my opinion, um, because it just causes so many secondary other issues. So um, <clears throat> right now, I would say there probably isn't anybody in the U.S. that isn't experiencing some kind of trauma uh, from a lot of different places. Um, we are definitely in a time of, of collective trauma in a way that I've never seen, (laughs) uh, before. Um, I, I think about having people watching videos of people dying, like by the hand of other people. And we're watching these videos over and over that alone, that experience alone. Think about how many kids saw the video of George Floyd die 
how many children saw that video? Um, and should they have, <laughs> right. um, how many people saw that video? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be watching and understanding the things that are happening around us, but it is traumatizing to watch someone die and you not be able to do anything about it. So these kinds of things, watching uh, the Portland things that are happening, like watching that is so traumatizing to me because I can't, I don't know what the answer is and I can't solve it. So just watching it makes me feel so helpless. And so I choose a lot of the times to, I read a lot of my news. I don't watch a lot of videos. I don't watch a lot of news uh, because I'm not in it for the visual trauma that they are in it for. And I feel like that's what they keep showing people is all these reasons to be scared and hurt and angry and sad. And um, there are good things happening still in our world, even though that's not what the media is showing us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I go out and I, I, you know, I find, uh, you know, cute little animals that are living their life and don't have any clue about anything that's happening because that's not their social construct right. that they've created. And we've created all these systems now that made things so complicated. Um, and that's the thing is like trauma is about, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> anything outside of that window. But over time, uh, you know, like I said, the damage that it does to your brain, it, 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 it suppresses your, your ability to hold on to memories and re and recall memory. It suppresses your ability to think in a smart way, um, to be logical, to, to speak, uh, words intelligently and be able to put, co you know, put coherent thoughts together. So think about why we're fighting so much online. Because if we're all experiencing things outside of the window of tolerance right now, we're all kind of working out of our amygdala and our amygdala does not make the best decisions for us uh, outside of keeping us alive. I mean, it's there to keep us alive, to make us you know, stronger and, uh, and make us safe, uh, but it's not there to make us uh, be able to navigate some of the very, very complicated things that we are experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. It's so complicated. It's such the ripples are just overlapping. Uh, you know, on all these different things. And so you can't, you, you feel it from every angle. <laughs> right. mm -hmm. Do you feel that too? I do. Uh, uh, what's your take on like what she said? She tries to read most of her news now. Do you kind of do the same thing or you just take it as it comes regardless uh, how, how it happens? I'm about 50-50, um, but I greatly appreciate your perspective on that because I do agree that they are, they push the agenda through video a lot mm -hmm. because you, when you see it, it's very impactful. Mm -hmm. And to me, trauma is another, it's another term for impact, mm -hmm. especially negative impact. Mm -hmm. So it's what has impacted your brain, your, your, your mind. And it's, it has a way of affecting, like, like you said, causing ripples and that could be personal trauma or collective trauma. And I believe that the media is, is perpetuating that through visual content because of social media, especially. Yes. Because everybody's scrolling down, scrolling down. Here's a George Floyd video. Here's a COVID graphic. Here's this, here's that. And it's just this constant barrage on your mind. And it's doing things that a lot of people probably don't have any comprehension. They have no understanding about what is actually going on mm -hmm. taking place in their brain. And so I do appreciate that greatly. I am oftentimes, though, a glutton for punishment, to be honest with you. I, I look at things. To, I, could, I like to try to navigate those things. I like mm -hmm. to be able to see those things mm -hmm. because I am – don't get me wrong. I'm not aware of everything that they're, that they're, that they're doing to us. I, I'm, you know, I'm not, like, uh, not trying to say I'm a super brain or anything by any stretch, but I am trying to watch for that kind of manipulation because mm -hmm. I want to know what's coming at me. 
I want to know what's coming at my kids. I want to know mm-hmm. what's coming at the world. And so I just, oh, Norman just took a tumble. He's okay. Oh, Marvin. Uh, Marvin. He's, he's, Marvin. Uh, he's going to, he might explore. Uh, okay. It looks safe. Mar- so. Marvin the dragon was taking a tumble, so I had to <laughs> kind of play <laughs> by play he that. He jumped down. He's okay. going to jump down again. I can see it. Okay, as long as he's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope Marvin's not uh, traumatized by no. that fall. No, no. He's no. a, he a pretty <laughs> soft fall. Anyway, though, I, I'm kind of a glutton in that sense because I've always been um, kind of a, a, a watchman. I, I just want to see what's coming at me because I don't want to be caught off guard in the world. I would rather be stoic. I would rather be, you know, if, if, if at all possible, out in the forest and living amongst nature and, and living amongst, amongst creatures like Marvin. I just want to be Marvin. Uh, right? Yeah. I just want to be it's Marvin. <laughs> But well, uh, the, but 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 I'm not. I, I'm not given that opportunity. I am in the world. I am in society. I am mm-hmm. in this culture, and so I, I just kind of keep my eyes open for that. So, but I do about fifty fifty. I do a lot of reading as well. well. The reason I ask that is because it, you know, people who are weary about what they read in media, and sometimes it's easier to have video evidence of things that happen to where you can make a better mm-hmm. judgment call on. You know what I'm saying? Like attaching those words to an actual video mm-hmm. on what actually happened versus it could seem like if it's, you're just reading it, mm-hmm. you have no idea. You have you don't know what con- the context is. This is just their version of what happened. Right. Pushing it, you see a video and it's like, oh, well, I can I agree or I disagree. This is a little you know, evidence so, now that, that right. can back that up. That's interesting though because sometimes the video doesn't even tell the story very well though, depending well, on the viewpoint of the video. Yeah, so yeah. one great example of that is that recent um, thing with the couple at um, uh, that had the guns. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Out so, on well, there. The I mean, yeah, terrible, terrible uh, video. But if you watch it, like what they made that video into and what was said then after that video is very like, whoa, did you watch the video? That one I did watch because Mm -hmm. uh, people kept saying this or that. And I was like, well, I'll just watch the video. And then I was like, how did it get turned and twisted into all these other things? Um, yeah. But that's that's the way. That's I have a hard time with that. In, in the way that you know, ten years ago, I would have completely agreed with your statement, though, that the video backs up mm-hmm. the the words. Not the, always, but but nowadays, video could be so manipulated. Yeah. yeah, it could be clipped, and it could even be straight up just you know like face swapped, uh-huh. you know, so to or speak. Voice added, voice yeah, absolutely. Added. And, and, yeah. and also, there's the video. Uh, at first, it was the picture of the. Young man wearing the Make America Great Again hat and the Native American person. I remember, you guys remember that, that story. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and he the, got four million dollars, didn't he? I don't. I don't know. It was four million dollars. Yeah. But the news just blasted this kid mm-hmm. because it looked like he was driving that Native American person. Ended up when they because they clipped it, and mm-hmm. CNN I think was the first one to run this. Mm-hmm. But when they showed the entire video. The Native American came up to the mm-hmm. the young man and started beating a drum real mm-hmm. loud. So he was the one that was actually initiated the confrontation. Right. Yep. But the it, but it was spun mm-hmm. and everybody bought into it. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought this young man was just the devil. And aside from wearing a Make America Great you know again hat, he he didn't do anything that should have been offensive to anyone. Right. Right. And so it's just that manipulation because of the picture, the video that was that was shown. Mm-hmm. It was blasted and completely misrepresented what had happened. Well, and it probably hurt his person a little bit. I bet people, uh, you know, might have threatened him. I bet people might have said things that were hurtful. And nobody deserves that just based on their political belief. I don't, I'm never mm-hmm. going to hate on you just because you believe in something. Um, 
I, I, I will try to talk you out of it. That's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll try to steer you in a different mm -hmm. direction. But, um, you know, in the end, your choice is your choice and you have to believe in it. Otherwise, what are we doing? Right. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. We should be having those conversations. Yeah. And you can't do that if you're spewing hate or if you are polarizing. Yeah. Uh, this left versus right thing, all it does is divide us further. Yeah. But I have to believe that, and the media is, is once again perpetuating what we're talking about is collective trauma. Yeah. But I have to believe that a lot of the responses that society is, e even the irrational, especially the irrational responses, but a lot of the things that just seem like they're cringeworthy, mm -hmm. seems like, man, I, th th those people or that person or this or that, or any, any way we can divide ourselves, the way they're acting is just terrible. Mm -hmm. I have to believe it's because of the collective trauma that yeah. we're experiencing. I, I think so, yeah. And like you said, it's greater than it ever has been before. Yeah. Because even 9-11, which was a great traumatic experience for our country, especially. It's like this big in comparison, isn't it? I think so. It's weird. Because COVID too. has affected everybody. Everyone. Everyone. Every, and when Directly. You, yes. And when you think about it on that scale, mm -hmm. you're like, whoa. Well, this and you is just big. think of the numbers. Like, you know, what was it? About 7,000 people passed um, were killed in the 9-11? No, I don't know. 7,000? I, I think it was think like... 6,000 like, something, I thought. Was I thought it was like three, under three. Was it? I, I yeah. thought maybe... I think total, like, there were talking people who hurt, like, okay. not like directly mm -hmm. in the buildings, but in the surrounding areas and got everything. Got you. Okay, got yeah. you. Okay. I feel like there was 6,000 right. 6, something impacted. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you might be right on that. But now we're talking how many people now? I don't even know. I try. I know we're in the hundred thousands, yeah, right? Yeah. I think we're still in the hundred thousands. You know, just the hundred thousands of people, mm -hmm. you know. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. That's insane to me. But that's where it's like a little scary to me. We're going to we're gonna try this little experiment and exponentially maybe double or triple that number um, when we talk about, you know, older teachers. Because that's a lot of our workforce. There's a lot of teachers uh, across the nation. And if we start putting those people in a place of getting sick, then we're going to have a huge workforce of people all mm. of a sudden are gone. That's an interesting perspective that I would not have thought about because I'm not in that field. Mm -hmm. You know, in the field of long-term care, we think about those numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, because, all, you know, once again, when COVID gets into a building, it, it tends to spread. That could be a mm -hmm. schoolhouse, it could mm -hmm. be a prison, it could be a, a, a nursing facility, mm -hmm. a psych facility, you know, whatever the case may be. Just and groups so, of people. Yeah, just groups of people mm -hmm. that, that amass together. And so th that's the perspective that I have. But the teacher perspective is, is also very, mm -hmm. very that, that, that's, a, that's a new perspective. It's kind of uh, illuminating because I think from my perspective, well, kids aren't really, for the most part, there are some anomalies, but kids aren't really succumbing to COVID. No, but they're spreaders. But they are spreaders of everything. <laughs> always. Kids, kids are little disease Oh, bags. I know. Little goblins. Mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> you, you send them away to school and they bring you back all kinds of good stuff. All I kinds know. of good germs and yep. colds. and Strep at least once a year. Yeah, at yeah. least. Right. So, <laughs> and so knowing that they are, they are highly, you know, they're going to be transmitting mm -hmm. things that you don't want your more vulnerable population to get. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's such a big... Um, that's why we're 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 not just going right back into school because it's not the kids themselves, mm -hmm. uh, it's the uh, the people who they're going to spread it to, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Including those elderly teachers. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Something in my throat, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't want. I, I don't want to send my kids to school to spread to other people. That's the perspective I try to have, um, even though I think they're going to be okay. Right. 
I mean, I think the kids are going to be, I think that for the most part, um, and they said that right now it's younger than 10, uh, your kids, you know, that you're in pretty low, low risk, um, 10 and up. That's where they're seeing the rise of numbers for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, people, low risk adults, uh, of that age group, I'm in that age group. I think I'm okay. I think, uh, you know, we're talking 25 to 30% of teachers are in the, in the high risk category. Mm. Can, Can those younger kids still be carriers though? Yeah. They can just like strep like and not have it, but yeah, mm-hmm. but still spread it. And that's the problem. Which is still weird. Like, cause I, I think there are actually places like my sister's going to Branson and there went and she called around to places down there. And some of them said that if your kid is under this age, they don't have to wear they a mask, mask or anything. And I'm right. like, but they can still carry it and they give can. it to other people. They so can. what, how does that make sense? I think everybody's just trying to do the best they can. Right. I agree. I mean, I think they are trying to think about how easy it would be for parents to uh, get kids to wear them. I think if we just made it a norm, I mean, they do it in other countries. I don't, I mean, it, it's pretty normal in Asian countries for them because they are so populated that they, yeah. um, you know, are really cognizant of these kind of precautions. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. They're densely populated because especially places like Japan, they're so. Yeah. There's only so much square footage. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're compactly yeah. populated. So, and they're used to that. Now, i got to be honest with you. My son, he's on the autism spectrum. I don't see him wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it happening. Well, and those are special situations that I totally understand. There's mm-hmm. going to be certain people. There's going to be certain kids. Okay, but if we almost all people should be able to because mm-hmm. there are plenty of jobs where people wear them all day and they have um, health things or or whatever. But if there are reasons, then then that's fine. But if if you're just making up a reason because you don't like it, that's different. Yeah. Right. You know, now I had to bring, I had, I'm sorry. I had to bring up the obvious that we were talking about COVID and I coughed. I <laughs> thought that was funny. <laughs> I so. didn't even. I, I anyway. appreciate that you coughed in my direction too. <laughs> right. That was, that was great. I apologize. Thanks for that. There's anyway. some wipes yeah. over there. Can you yeah. wipe everything down? Uh, I, I, oh, Marvin. Marvin came <laughs> oh, to see me. Oh, I didn't me. even notice. <laughs> hey, Mar. He's, he's cool. Oh, okay. Okay. Just watch he's your cool. feet then, I guess. No, he won't do anything. He's just exploring. I'll he's watch checking him. it out. I yeah, won't, I won't step on he, him. Yeah, and he only goes to the bathroom once a day, and he already went. I potted him before we got on the roll. Okay, well. So he's good. He's good. He's just chilling. I wish we had some live video action of Marvin, though, because he's quite the sight. He's fun. <laughs> At any rate, you've, you've been through some trauma yourself, mm-hmm. uh, personal trauma on that level. What can you tell me about the impact of, of how personal trauma may be different than collective trauma? And what that, you know, what that feels like, what it looks like, how does it affect a person differently if it does? Yeah, I think it does, actually. So mm-hmm. I want to, uh, w- one of the more traumatic things um, was just my relationship with my mom and then moving into being a mom. So at my younger ages, uh, I, I became a mom at 18. And uh, then I lived in another state. So I didn't have a great relationship with my mom. But then I had a n- no relationship with anybody near me while I was trying to figure out becoming a mom. And so that whole time was really traumatic, um, being a military wife at that time. So I was, I'd become a mom. I was still a kid. I had no, you know, no mentor, um, that was directly helping. And so that, that particular situation was really hard. I ended up getting a divorce by 21 because of that whole section of just trauma, trauma, trauma. Mm. Um, and so I guess for me, the impact was hard, harder for me Personally, my personal trauma was harder because when other people aren't going through trauma, they don't see 
the level that it's hurting you in the same way as if they're experiencing it at the same time mm-hmm. with you. Yeah, good point. So they tend to be less uh, helpful, less kind, mm-hmm. uh, more judgmental, and sometimes can even make that trauma worse by 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 those things, by the judgment and the blame and shame and those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. I, looking back, I want to just like hold my 18 to 21 year old self because I was trying to figure out how to do all the things that I didn't have any idea how to do. Um, and I did okay. I look back and my kids are, are okay. Now, would I have done things differently? No, because honestly, I did the best I could at the time with the resources I had. As I got better resources, I did better. My second set of kids are remarkably better uh, as as far as like uh, um, my relationship with them and my communication with them and my uh, our attachment is stronger because I was in a better place when mm-hmm. I became a parent with them. Um, and so I, I would say, yeah, I think personal trauma has impacted me more just because it really shows the relationships you have around you and the support that you have or don't have um, whenever you go through personal trauma. Yeah. Um, collect trauma. I, I, I think we're all feeling it. I think not everybody recognizes that. You know, mm-hmm. I think that they're like, well, we're not locked down. So I should, and I can go to the grocery store and whatever. So I'm not feeling any trauma, but we are because that feeling, that mirrored feeling of we're all kind of wah wah that we can't do things like go to the movies and, you know, just the regular things that we used to fill our time with. And I'm not saying I don't love all the things I'm filling my time with right now because I do. I've been in nature more than I've been in years and I'm so happy about that. Mm. But yeah, I kind of miss going to the movies. I kind of miss, you know, just concerts. Mm-hmm. Don't even. Right? <laughs> I'm traumatized by the fact that I can't go to a concert. I did go to one. I went to one. I went to the El Monstero tailgate, and I was oh, so yeah, I very, it. very yeah. happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I couldn't have been happier mm-hmm. just to sit outside and listen. And I, I would do 10 concerts like that. I'd pay a million dollars right now. I'd give them all my money to space out 10, 20 feet away from other people to just sit outside and listen to live music all right. day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> I went to 31 shows last year. Is that right? Yes. Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> so I'm like, trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatized. Yeah. It's it, That's an important point that you made about individual trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's not only because people do judge, they're, they're more judgmental, they're, they're, but they're also just more disconnected. Yeah. Period. Yeah, which makes the trauma worse. Yes. Even though they may be trying to do something good, they may be trying to help, they're disconnected from the trauma, and so therefore they're, they're not sure what step to take next in order to help that person. And so right. oftentimes they misstep, mm-hmm. even when they're trying to do the right thing. Agreed. And I, I've noticed this um, on social media when, I, I don't know, it was after you had gotten your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You had, I saw a change in your demeanor, in, in the yeah. way that you expressed yourself. Yeah. Because in a way, you were just kind of sick of saying, or you were sick of people saying, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah. You didn't want to hear everything's going to be all right. No. You were like, no, fuck that. That's not what I'm after right now. Yeah. I I need, you know. I don't want your thoughts and prayers. Right. Yeah. I I really didn't. Mm -hmm. And that sounds terrible at that moment. I was so frustrated because people started treating me differently. Right. Like I was fragile. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even though, you know, I'm never fragile. Let me just say that. Now, I might be tired, and I was tired, yeah. and I, I needed some support in a different way mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not the kind of person that will ask. Uh, but, yeah, people were like, oh, it's fine. You'll be fine. 
what? Yeah. That's because you weren't going through it. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, I want to walk you through my perspective on that because at first I was like, whoa, this, What's this up with her? That doesn't sound like my infamous Michelle. Yeah. She sounds pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but then I got to thinking about it. I was like, because of the trauma, the other people around her are disconnected, not knowing how to. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to step in that that same puddle. And say, so I, 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 you know, privately messaged and said, mm-hmm. you know, I forget what I said, but it, it was it was nothing along the lines of, hey, you know, keep your head up, you know. Everything's no, gonna but be you just opened fine. a dialogue instead, which is what I really needed. I needed someone to just listen. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I, I needed you. I needed your advice, in, in a sense, to tell me how to support mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to try to do that in the social media platform because. Yeah, you know, I might have misstepped, but I, exactly. but I could see that there was a disconnect that I was disconnected because I wasn't going through what you were going through, right? And so I needed to, I needed guidance on how to make that next step in order to be supportive. So people, my whole point of this was, people, you know, who are going through something, ask them or, or get guidance from them yes. on how to help them. How don't, can don't I assume. support you? Yes. Do you want support? And how can I support you? Mm-hmm. That's what I probably, I, I've said more to people. They're like, well, what do you wish people would have done? Well, I wish they would have said, do you need support? And and what what does that look like? Right. And even if I said, I didn't know, I just need you to, I just need you to pause and not ask me any questions and not, not, not send me 20 texts whenever you haven't talked to me in two years. Mm-hmm. I had people offer to come and clean my house that had never been to my house. Strange, very strange things that people had said to me because I got a cancer diagnosis and then all of a sudden everybody that they've ever known, they had to tell me about every story of every cancer thing. You know, it's just, it became like, whoa, I can't even believe that this, you don't have to be different with me just because. I have something going on. Like you, anything else, it wouldn't have been different. But because it was this, right. now you're going to, I mean, yeah. I actually, like I said, um, I had to let go of relationships in my life because people who had never showed up, now I felt like showed up because they felt guilty. Mm-hmm. That there was something that could potentially happen to me. And you know what? Sorry, too late. Where have you been all this time? Right. Where have you been? Yeah. And sometimes that's, I, I, for me, it was very evaluative and uh, it gave me a chance to really like, what do I want? Mm-hmm. And that, so I made a lot of shifts. I made a move. I changed my job. I, you know, bought a bike. I, you know, did all these things. And now I was looking and seeking alignment. And now I feel like I'm, I'm closer to that now that I turned everything upside down. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Colt. I'm curious if you guys are like me, though. So, like, if I was in that type of situation and the way that people were coming at me or the way that people were talking to me or whatever wasn't how I needed, like, support at that time, but I come out and I tell everybody, listen, this is how I want you to support me. This is what I want you to do. And they change, like, in my head. It's different if it's somebody that's, like, very close to you versus people on just, you know, acquaintances on social media or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you tell people, this is the way I want to be supported then they change and then it's like to me okay well now this isn't genuine anymore because now you're just doing it from a different way because that's the way i asked i said that i wanted it to be done does that make sense like it, it, it sounds like a nagging wife i'm just saying well i mean that's the way i my, told you that, to do it but you didn't do it the way i wanted you to do it so yeah, i don't kind, so I'm mad kind of, at you. I mean, but, that, but that's how my <laughs> yeah. that's how my brain works yeah. it works it's like you, you you're now you're only doing now you're only supporting me in the way i want to be supported because yeah. i told you that I want you to support me that way. Yeah. But then again, that's not their fault either because they don't know. Yeah, they're trying. 
I guess the open communication needs to be there for that adjustment. Yeah. I mean, if somebody asked you, do you want support and how do you want to be supported? That person really cares about you to want to know that mm -hmm. right. without just placating you and saying, oh, I'm really sorry you feel that way or man, bummer. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts, Thoughts and, and prayers, prayers. my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> when my dad passed, it was very traumatic for not just me or not just my family, for the community at large because he was such a big impact on so many people. Mm -hmm. And you had a lot of people who thoughts and prayers. You know, they they send their thoughts and prayers to me. It's fine. It didn't really impact me in a negative way, but I'm more dismissive of those people because mm -hmm. I was in my own pain. I was experiencing my own trauma. But there were a couple people who a asked me how to support them, and that mm -hmm. taught me or how how they would want to support. You know, how would I want them to support me? But there were also people who had been through that, mm -hmm. and people who who weren't disconnected from that experience. And our good friend out in L.A., Ace Ha, was one of the, he had a big impact on me. And I've never even actually seen Ace Ha in person. Mm -hmm. But he had one of the most profound things that he said to me, just sent me a message. And I didn't even solicit it. I didn't even talk to him about it. I think he had talked to Colt, and, and Colt had told him what was going on. And he sent me one simple message. Just it, it, it still impacts me today. And I even use his words for other people that are now going through that thing, so it caused ripples. Um, so it, when someone's connected, they kind of already know they have that intuition. If you're disconnected, in my experience, it helps if you if you reach out and ask how you can support that person. Mm -hmm. And I I was I was very well prepared when I reached out to Michelle for her to say, you know, I just want to talk about you know El Monstero or or let's just you know keep sending those funny you know star spangled ding dong memes <laughs> or whatever the case you know just keep posting just, just, just you guys you know. do post great memes. <laughs> It makes me happy right? every day. Every day I see one that I love. It makes us happy too. I know. <laughs> but uh, I was prepared for whatever, and I, and I think that's a big thing. Be prepared for whatever. And and as the receiver of that of that offer for someone to say, how can I support you? Like like Michelle said, I, I, I'm grateful for that. It's not disingenuous because they reached out in the first place, which means they cared enough and they were cognizant enough to know that they were disconnected from my trauma, but yet they still want to help. Right. That in and of itself, and it very well may. And I told people when 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 Dad had died that you know I just need you to to be yourself. Yeah. Just keep sending funny memes or yeah. keep talking about the our favorite bands or whatever the case may right. be. But for other people, it was like, well, you know, I just sometimes I might need to talk. So it was kind of different for whom you know whomever it was that was coming to me and offering mm -hmm. for that support. Right. And so I think being able to kind of delegate and not trying to carry a load all on your own is another. It's it's kind of a uh, hopefully something that people who have been traumatized can learn how to do mm -hmm. because there's so many different kinds of trauma, right? Trauma comes from, you know, abuse. It comes from the death of a loved one. It comes, it can come from the birth of a child. It can mm -hmm. come from something, you know, it, of course, war is, is the big, uh, you know, when, when you have PTSD, you know, oftentimes war is the, the origin of that. But they say poverty battle. has the same impact on the brain as war. Poverty can have the same impact. Yeah. So being being traumatized by poverty, and we don't talk about that enough, mm -hmm. you know, about why, um, you know, so-called minorities in, mm -hmm. in our country, and I say so-called because the majority is about to, it's not, about to not be a thing as far as numbers go. Right. I'll be curious um, one on the other side of the census. Right, yeah. Um, but th those folks who have been uh, disenfranchised and, and just traumatized by poverty, what that what that causes the country as a collective, mm -hmm. we, we we don't all own that enough, right? Because there's a lot of different things going on with the civil unrest right now, and we like to you know cast 
judgment upon mm-hmm. the folks who are rioting and looting and things like that. But how did we get here? Mm-hmm. What happened? Mm-hmm. And how are we as as a society responsible for those things? Yeah. I'm reading a book uh, called Stamped. I don't know if you've heard that one. It's a, it, uh, I'm in a book club for, uh, it's an anti-racist book club for educators. Mm-hmm. We're trying to read some books. And this one uh, is really interesting because I'm almost angry at some of the history. I understand that it's from one perspective, but I've read the other perspectives a whole bunch of my whole life. So I know what history looks like in a textbook and, you know, most elementary and high school grades. Um but this is offering a perspective that I uh, and, and with facts and research that I can look up and be like, whoa, how come that wasn't in my textbook? How come I didn't get to know about that? And it makes me angry because that's how you form your opinions is based on that fact. And so if your history book only gave you that one perspective, which I didn't understand the whole of my K-12 education, and now I'm getting all these other perspectives it makes me angry that I didn't get to have those in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I should have gotten to have all that information so that I could make up my own mind about how things are and why they are the way they are. And then I bet they would have gotten changed sooner. Because I'll tell you, if you read some of the history of times where uh, minority people actually started to do better and then got squashed yet again, it's really disheartening to see that that in our history, not just one time, but over and over and over again, where pockets within our country of 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 people of color would would build communities and start to do well and then we would we would take them out and same thing with uh native americans you know the american indians we did the same thing with them they Mm. still had communities for a long time that were doing well and over time as we move westward we just we just squashed it yeah and we need to take ownership for that as a as a people and I don't know what that looks like, but we definitely need to understand that we took over a country that had people and then we brought people to own (laughs) into our country. And that's messed up and that we have to own that we've messed up. I think, I think one of the, (laughs) one of the splits, one of the splits there with the people that we own. Well, a lot of people, I hear a lot of people say, well, my family, I've traced my, my roots back and they didn't own anyone. Yeah. Okay. They didn't do that. And uh, that's what that's what I say. Okay. That, that's a valid Were point. Were you European? Because you probably own people there too. Yeah. You ever heard of indentured servitude? That was the thing. Even, even if not, though. <laughs> even if not, because I also hear the argument that, well, you know, Irish people were oftentimes slaves. Things like that. We shouldn't own anybody. I agree. I agree. <laughs> like, nobody should own people. Just get that through your head. Yes. But, but, it, but, but my point, though, is that he's still over here by Colt. Oh, he's puffed out. That's wrong, Mark. <laughs> He's probably getting riled up about this conversation we're having right now because he's very anti-racist. I'm going to grab him. Okay. <laughs> What's wrong, Martin? Oh, if you can reach him or not. I will. That's okay. At any rate, I, I think the major point is not what it... Maybe your your roots, there were, there were no slaves. That's fine. Because there, are, there I'm sure there are a lot of people like that. I, I, sure. I, as far as I know, my, my heritage had no slaves, and that, that's good. What I'm talking about, though, is a collective trauma because of society, because of what happened. Because of the you, systems that were built as a result. Yeah, the systemic you know, racism. that It's kind of a catchphrase nowadays, but but it happened. Yeah. That, that was the thing. So what what is our responsibility? And I don't know how to move forward from it. I have no, no idea. I have no idea where to go with it. I had a long yeah, talk with but, someone but, the other day because they said, well, what do you think about reparations? And I said, that's very complicated mm-hmm. because how would you decide it? And who would get the money? And right. how would they? Uh, and and how? Where would we? Get, where would we get the money from? Or wh- what would it look like in order for that to be enough? Mm-hmm. 
what is what what in anybody's mind is enough to make up for something like this? Right. Nothing. <laughs> There's nothing that can bring back the you know people the, the the. But what we can do is we can change the systems, mm. and so that's where we need to be putting our energy toward. Is if we want to really make reparations, then we can start to look at these systems and how they're broken. I mean, there's more uh, kids of color uh, tests for like special ed, mm -hmm. for example, just because the tests alone are biased. So it's interesting, like if you start to look at how they are systemically sort of kept down over time, let's get rid of those systems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's the best way to, to make it up to everybody. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, that generational poverty is is a big thing you know mm -hmm. the, the fact that there was no generational wealth for a lot of people of color in the country right um because home ownership was illegal right to start with and then just and i forget i think the term is redlining mm -hmm. in, in real estate mm -hmm. where you know they kind of sectioned off in in, in that way they kind of formed and developed the ghettos they yep. developed the, the, they the neighborhoods that were uh poverty impoverished and so that's that generational effect that's been taking place and at some point in time, you've got to consider what those policies and, and those practices and, and the things that happened, the trauma that happened, how that's affecting us today. So I, I think a lot of those things, those practices, they've been taking away, taken away. I think a lot of, even for the, the hearts and minds of people, I think, you know, unfortunately, there's still a lot of racism out there. You can see it, especially yeah. with the proliferation of social media. It's even more obvious. Mm -hmm. But, I think that I think that the, that the hearts and minds of people are better than probably what they have been maybe ever in this country. Maybe seems, I think awareness like is me. big right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I do too. I think and I have hope really because the grips. next generation seems even more aware. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, but I think the problem is, what do you do next? Yeah, that's that's where I'm. That's where I'm stuck. Yeah, I'm like because I was talking to my daughter about this. I'm like, I grew up, you know, watching Archery Bunker make, you know jokes on tv like we have normal. calm and that was, was totally was normal. nobody normal. thought anything about that and i told my daughter i said i showed her like a youtube of it because she was like who is that and i was like let me show you just an episode of this and so i found an episode you know where he said all kinds of racial slurs and things like that and she was like that was on regular tv i said yeah it was a it was a big hit mm -hmm. and i said so then if you look at where we are now versus even just when i when i was a kid we have made progress. Yeah. The problem is, is like systems don't change quickly. And depending on who's in power, they can make things go backwards or forwards from where the person before. So we, you know, we might take three or four steps forward with one administration and then two steps back with the next or five steps forward. And then, th you know, we always go forward and back, forward and back, depending on who's in charge. Mm. And that's the biggest problem is like, again, kind of like we have to decide collectively <laughs> And we're not collective. We're not unified. Yeah. So it, I've often wondered if, and wow, this is going to be a big thing to say on your, but like maybe we do need to make our country smaller. Uh, maybe we need to divide it up into smaller sections <laughs> because I, I I think the just the the wideness of it and the fact that we are so divided in the way that we think um, that maybe uh, people need to start considering like, I don't know, living in a different place. I don't know. I, I Because it does feel like there's like a polar uh, difference in how people think. But but what's weird is that when you travel the country and talk to people, you don't feel that. Like, I feel like we all kind of want the same things. But mm -hmm. but in but in how we are, we want to get there seems like we can't we can't agree. Yeah. 
I don't know. I know that's terrible, right? But I don't, I don't want civil war by any stretch. Uh, but, you know, I wonder if that's why, um, you know, some other countries are, uh, you know, aren't arguing quite to the extent that we are. We just have so much square footage of, uh, <laughs> and, and since we do have all these states and that's unique to us um, in comparison to other countries. If that may, you know, because we have, and, and I appreciate the balance of power too, but although that doesn't seem to make much difference right now, well, if you've noticed, we can, they, it seems like the federal government can make rules or pass down rules to mm. states now that they didn't used to be able to do. And so yeah. that's confusing and scary also. Right. The, the political thing, the political side of that's hard because it, I, I think like you said, you talk to people across the nation and a lot of people may have most of the same beliefs that you do. Yeah. But when it comes to a bigger scale and put politics into it, it's like, okay, but I'm on the right. So even though all my beliefs don't land in this basket, right. I still have to be here because that's what I'm supposed to believe to be on the right. Because of or one on the left issue. Or whatever, right. Yeah. Maybe one issue. And right. abortion seems to be a big one for most people, like as mm -hmm. far as like, I'm going to stay red because they are anti-abortion. Um Okay, that's what you want to believe. Okay, right. I, I would love to, for you to trace some of those money trails and see if that's true about your party, mm -hmm. because I guarantee it's as true as any other party. They're going to be middle of the road with their lobbyists so that they can get their agenda pushed. Right. Um. And so I don't know. It in a perfect world, you know, we have a country of states, and in a perfect world, well, you know, if this state wants to be more liberal and they want to legalize this, which to some degree this happens, but bear with me. But if this state wants to be pro-choice and and wants to just be completely liberal across the board or whatever, or have their own particular hodgepodge of different ideologies, things like that, well, then people who live in this state over here can can navigate over there. They yeah, can move over there. They, exactly. can, they can start That's a new life. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like they you can, can live where you where those ideals fit you better. But the problem is. People who are living in poverty don't have the same access. Yeah, absolutely. That's they, they, where the problem is. And, and they're forced because of, of their poverty, because they don't have the finances, they don't have the resources. A lot of them probably don't even have the, the insider perspective to be able to navigate across the country mm -hmm. to different spots where it might be more advantageous for them to try and thrive. Yeah, then they're forced to stay in this situation that, once again, is both personally traumatic because of their poverty because of their families their family life the you know whatever the case may be whether it's uh, the uh, you know teenage pregnancy or or you know the abortion it can be mm -hmm. traumatic for a lot of people even though it is a choice that they make I've heard a lot of women say that it was I didn't you know I, I had to do it didn't want to and it was uh, it, it carries with them for sure um, just different different things like that uh, p police brutality you know and, and seeing that in, a, in both personally and collective sense. They're forced to stay in that situation because they don't have the access to that, and so the the difference in opportunity for people um, is that I think that's what is the most obvious and poignant systemic problem that we have um, in in this country that we have, where it seems like that we have so many options. Mm -hmm. Like me, if I wanted to, I could probably sell my house and I could move to a place like I have. You know, our, our friend Will, um, he he kind of sold off his Missouri, Illinois. He might have been across the, the river there. But he moved to uh, to Oregon, and, and now uh, he moved out in a bus. He just decided this is what he was going to do. And he had access to be able to do that, and now he lives in a, you know. Yeah, converted bus. Basically, as far Sweet. as I know, they, they may have you know gotten a place by now. I'm not sure. But that's mm -hmm. what he did out in the rainforest type of setting. It's, yeah. where, it's where he wanted to be. It, totally. His politics aligned. 
his, you know, and he had a, he had a vision of what he wanted to do, and he just packed up and did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everybody has access to do that. For and, sure. and if they did, then we'd have more of a an equal opportunity of outcome, uh, more of an equal outcome, uh, because I I think that, and I've, I've said this for a long time, I do believe in um, more chances for education. I've always been more equal opportunity than more equal outcome mm-hmm. because it, two people can be given the same opportunity and one can thrive and one can fail. But I believe everybody needs to have the same opportunity as much as possible, right? Well, Unfortunately, we don't have that. If you're going to have that, though, then you have to have the supports in place that go with that opportunity because you you getting that opportunity and me getting that opportunity looks different, mm. even just because you come to the table with a deficit of whatever, you know? Right. So that's where that's... So, so in thinking about, like, funding... Um, this is where people have have said things like defund the police and they don't mean like take away like police people. They mean like in uh, in more suburban areas, the police aren't the aren't the same level of the budget as they are in ur- in urban areas. Mm-hmm. Instead, there's more supports and community things and access. Those points are there because the the infrastructure of a suburban area is made so that you can stay in your little bubble mm-hmm. in the city. You're lucky to find a grocery store. Um, if you live in the city city, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, I, I know those are getting better, but food deserts are real. Right. So um, it's interesting that if we would spend more money building the infrastructure of the community mm-hmm. so that those supports are there rather than rely on police just to catch people and, and, and deal with the outcome, which is the fact that they didn't have support. Right. That's how we get to that uh, where incarceration level is because they didn't have the supports in place. And I'm sure that the system failed them multiple times before they ended up in that position. Yeah. So that's a good point about defund the police. I, I do agree with the logic now that I know more about it. I think the phrase defund the police is terrible. Is terrible. Not just because I, I am just offended. How could you say that about the police? That's yeah. not it. Yeah. It misses the mark. It does. It, it misconstrues the message. It does. And, and, and so when that happens, then you once again, you've polarized two different sides. But it's interesting because the people can say cut education funds and it's defunding education and nobody gets angry. Oh, I do. I well, like I, I appreciate that. I, I don't like <laughs> but that you're at very all. yes, but I'm just saying people don't. We, there's no uproar every time because every year when the new budget comes out, inevitably education gets some form of mm-hmm. cuts. Yeah. So where's the where's the riots on that? Because this is where the money that to take your kids back to school and all the precautions that we could be taking to make sure that kids are able to come, go back to school more fully are getting taken away. Right. So it's just interesting. I, I wish we had better verbiage as well because mm-hmm. I didn't like that verbiage either. But it is funny when you flip the script and just say, cut this funding, Right. nobody cares. It's not quite, it doesn't have quite the <laughs> same not impact. even news. Yeah. I mean, right. it's news, but nobody's clicking it. <laughs> yeah. They're like, ah, uh, you know. On that note, though, I think... De- you know, cutting education, defunding education, whatever, I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have in the yeah. first place. Agreed. I, I think that... Um, and I don't know if we still use the, the term affirmative action, but you know I think that logic in being able to redirect more funds to school systems and communities and places where poverty is is more of a thing, mm-hmm. I think that's going to, in the long term, I think that's going to help to mitigate a lot of these issues that we have in the first place. Yeah. Once again, you've got to look at the cultural trauma that we have, the collective trauma that's being experienced. And if you think that it's just going to stay in this one little spot, I think now now you can see differently. Yeah. The, these impoverished areas, 
at some point in time, it's it's going to it's it's going to boil over. Yep. You know, and then then what happens? Then who suffers? Well, yep. you know, okay, so Target got looted. Okay, that's Target, right? Mm-hmm. They're a big company, you know, so on and so forth. But it was a thing for a lot of people. People were in an uproar. How dare they loot Target? This this wasn't their, you know. It's I don't okay wanna... to do Ferguson twice, but right. right. <laughs> as long as it wasn't in my backyard, then it's right. okay. Right. But this is all our backyard. You know, Ferguson is our backyard. I don't, yeah. care, I don't care where you're at in the country. That's that's part of I us. I had a house in Ferguson, so it literally was my backyard. Mm-hmm. I lived around the corner from the QT that was originally burned in the first right in the first unrest, and it's like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. like these poor business people that came back and spent so much time bringing their businesses back, only you know to have more issues, and that's not fair. Yeah. Now, once again, I don't, I don't, I don't claim to know what the the overall fix is. Yeah. Like, I can't, you know, I, wish I, I couldn't write a Senate bill and say, well, you know, we need to direct some funds here and do this and that and yada yada. I don't know. I'm just mm-hmm. some guy who, but but I but I want people to, I would just like to shape perspective a little bit, just a little bit, just because I've learned what I've learned. You know, I, I'm nothing special, but I've learned some things. I've been enlightened on some things. I'd like to share that mm-hmm. because I feel like it's really, it's really given me a, a better understanding of why things are happening the way they are and how that I personally, and I'm just one guy, but how I can personally shift my perspective and maybe be able to, to help just in my own little way, just mm-hmm. in my own little spot on the earth. Can I maybe shift someone else's perspective and, and, and maybe you know, rise of that tide just a little bit in order to not be so divisive anymore? You know, let's just, let's try to come together. Have you seen any of the videos, the local protesting that's gone on? Some. Have you seen anything that is achieving anything? Absolutely not. No. No. Like literally one video I seen was it was a group of people on one side of the street, another group of people on the other side of the street, mm-hmm. a few cops standing in between them, and yeah. they just yelled at each other every couple of minutes. Yeah. yeah. What What is getting done there? Why are you even wasting your time to be there? Yeah. Nothing's happening. But then I wonder, you know, other, I don't know. I don't know what the, what's the answer then if you, if you're that unhappy and you, and you want somebody to listen, how do you get that? How do you get your voice heard? Mm-hmm. That's the hardest part for me and knowing that our elected officials don't really represent us is that that's where our voice is supposed to be heard. That's Those are the people who are supposed to be speaking for us, but they're not speaking for us. They're speaking for the people who buy them. And that's so, it, 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 I mean, I'm still going to go to the, you know, go vote. I still do all that. I still all my civic responsibilities. However, sometimes I feel like it's bullshit. Because I feel like that the votes are already bought and my opinion isn't so important because my representatives are paid and not uh, there to represent me. Once upon a time, those guys were volunteers and they had real jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I wish it was that way still. Uh, because I think if you did that as a volunteer service, that you would take it a little more seriously for what you need to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Rather than I get benefits for life. And I mean, what other job do you get benefits for life just for being a representative for a couple of years? That's insane to me. No teacher gets that. I don't get benefits for life. So what are we doing? What, why, why did we set them up now in these cushy jobs that they don't rep, when they don't represent our actual voice? That's messed up. Mm-hmm. We need, that's, those are the kinds of systems that we need to look at. Like, I agree that the system is the way it's supposed to work, works. Do I think that lobbyists should have as much power as they do or that lobbyists should even exist? I don't know. I don't know if I think that business interests should have a should have more say in our government than our people. Well, I think you made a good point though. Like I, I think you have to imagine that the majority of people who get into politics get into politics for a, a good reason, mm-hmm. from a good place. But then when you actually get into a position, you realize Some I can't. Shame. I'm not going to be able to keep this position if I don't 
do what it's it expected. takes to be here. Yeah, you have to be part you know? of the machine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've always said the same thing. I think that even if a po- politician gets into politics and they've got a, this vision and they've got this mission, mm-hmm. they've got this, you know, this uh, okay. positive agenda, um, you can only go so far until you sell out. Mm-hmm. You have to be become part of that machine. Sell out in some way. Yeah. Yeah, because through a vote or a favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like that's the way that things get done, and that bothers me so much. Could you turn that toward you when, yes. whenever you you can just Sorry. do. It's I can okay. Just turn me. But that's that's, that's <laughs> up to you. But, it, but if you turn, you can just move it like this as long as it's coming facing in front me. of you. Coming after my toe that I'm swiggling around. Marvin. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's on the attack. Huh? Yeah. Well, I didn't feed him breakfast yet, so I want some raspberries. So. What's the best way to mitigate trauma for um, someone personally? Sure. Well, I'm glad that you asked this because I actually had this conversation with somebody who called me up yesterday. (laughs) And I was like, wow, this is perfect timing. And I do give the same advice uh, most of the time um, because I used to teach classes just on this. And so the first thing I tell everybody whenever you're trying to mitigate trauma is, are you living on any kind of consistent schedule? Do, Do you get up and go to bed at the same time? Are you eating at the regular, you know, same time? Are you keeping chunks of time in your life? That makes sense. Whatever that looks like for you. For me, I kind of have like five goals a day. I want to move my body and and create something. I want to learn something. I want to eat right and I want to drink my water. So those are the things that I, however I block the time, I just need it to be more loose. Some mm-hmm. people need it to be this time to this time. I'm going to do this. Okay, great. Whatever works for you. But you need a schedule to make your body feel good. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. Um, the second thing, um, I think is to think about your gut health and what, um, what are you doing to make your microbiome and your belly good? Because that has so much to do with your, uh, with your mental health is that gut health because of your vagus nerve. So are you, are you taking probiotics or prebiotics? Are you, um, eating fermented foods and beer doesn't count? Uh, <laughs> I know everybody wants the beer count. No, Dang, I was doing no. so good too. Uh, no. <laughs> Yeah. So those kinds of things make a huge difference on your mental state. And so I, there's not a lot of fermented foods, foods I love, but I eat a ton of pickles. And so, um, I, that's the one that I choose. Um, I like kombucha also, um, Mm. but only a few flavors, but it's really good for you. And so figure it out. I mean, it's kind of one of those things like, do I want to feel good? Then I'm going to do the things. Um, the other thing that you can do for a vagus nerve is just to finish off your shower a little cooler. So the coldest that you can stand, um, cause cold makes your vagus nerve, uh, more toned and actually can improve your, uh, your mental health overall. So trying to get cold as often as possible. Uh, and then I guess the next thing would be, um, oh, <sighs> I said body and I said, uh, I can't remember the other two things that I told her now. Now let me think about it. Okay. But, but yeah, those two things are like the first two things, um, uh, oh yeah. Making sure that you're getting regular sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big one. People are starving themselves of sleep and then caffeinating themselves to the point, um, your brain needs that time to sleep because it does so many restorative things while you sleep mm-hmm. and you do need to sleep at night if you can. <laughs> that's the other thing is I, I think since COVID happened, a lot of people have had really wacky sleep, uh, and going to bed at weird times and getting up at weird times. And I think part of that's just, you got to be a little more regulated. You do just need that yeah. for people. Mm-hmm. And I think the last thing is, you know, being really intentional about the connections in your life. I think we are human and made to connect and 
we can't deny that now. <laughs> um, and so I think cultivating those connections are really, really a, a good way to make sure that you feel supported during uh, any kind of traumatic time. So having someone that you can bounce those crazy thoughts off to, or, um, or somebody that, you know, will always make you smile with their funny memes. Those are important connections <laughs> and you have to cultivate those. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who do you care about in your life and, and what can you do? So sometimes whenever I'm feeling especially traumatized, um, I also try to get out of my own head and see if there's someone else I can help. Um, because nothing makes me feel better than sort of just laying that little thing aside for a little while so that I'm not sitting in it. That way I can get a little more perspective. So it's not really like putting my head in the sand that's going to go away on its own. It's more of like, I'm going to hold space for this over here so that I can do this over here. And then it's still there and I'm going to come back to it. But right now I can't swim in it. Mm. So that was kind of, uh, the, that was what I had to um, realize the skill that I had to learn better at whenever I was going through this stuff with cancer that I feel like on the other side of it, by the time that I got my surgery and then spent that time healing, I spent time thinking about that skill and, and figuring out ways to hone that skill better, more of like compartmentalizing that feeling. Like I, I've got to set that aside. I cannot just swim in this cortisol mm -hmm. <laughs> because it wasn't making me feel good. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's better. Is it better to like, you say swim in it. Is it better to swim in it off the bat and try to accept it before you I think kind of push it over it here? I think it depends on what it, it is. better to push it to the side for now and come back to it when you feel like you're ready to swim in it? Well, I think it depends on where it lies on the hierarchy of needs. So like if it's something that impacts your basic needs, like eating and sleeping, then you have to worry about those before you can worry about this. Right. You can't fix that if you're not sleeping. I don't care who you are. You mm. Nobody's magical when they're not sleeping because right. you're basically a drunk person and not a very nice one usually. Um, but so I think it depends if it's then like, if it's a relationship hurt or like a death, like sometimes, yes, you have to, you have to be able to say, okay, I, I cannot swim in this. You, it's kind of like you have to know for yourself where it sits outside of your window of tolerance. That was why awareness with mindfulness has been the savior for the 2020 year for me, I believe. Mm. Um, because I really, spent more time in my practice being home that I ever had. Um, and I cared about it more and I, I set timers to it more. And, you know, I was really, uh, getting on the mat a lot and doing a lot of yoga and doing a lot of time outside. And so all those things, uh, I think helped me mitigate some of that overwhelmed feeling and learn to be like, okay, well I would miss out on this beautiful sunset if all I cared about was what was in this little, this little box. And if it's especially outside of my circle of control, uh, and that's, I, I reevaluate that circle a lot. If it's inside the circle and something that I can put my energy on, then I'm going to do that. But sometimes over time you realize some of those things that you've put in the circle aren't actually in your control and you need to move them out and stop putting your energy to those things. So, uh, that's that, I think those are the ways that for me to kind of move past trauma that has worked, mm -hmm. um, is making sure that I'm regular, making sure I care about my gut health and what I'm putting in my body, because it makes so much difference in how you feel. Like if you're sitting around eating ice cream and drinking, you know, uh, then you're probably not going to feel very good in a couple of weeks, guaranteed. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so if that's the case, then, then that's where you need to make the change and the shift. If you want to feel better, then you have to make some shifts. And then if all those things, you do all those things, then, and you still feel terrible, 
then maybe it's time that you need to think about, you know, reaching out to a mental health professional mm -hmm. because that's where you have to make that choice. Yeah. Is he bothering you? No, I was just making sure you watch your foot. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, he's cool. Okay. <laughs> he's back on the move, Marvin. Yeah. So it, with anything stressful, not, not to uh, say that all trauma is PTSD, but trauma does create an amount of stress, right, to, to yeah. the person. Anything stressful, I have to include that physical activity. Mm -hmm. I, I have to exercise. I notice when I don't, even mm -hmm. in my on my baseline, in my in my normal you know day to day behavior, I always feel much worse when I'm not on my exercise routine. Yep. And so having That's that routine, part of my routine too. yeah, it is mm -hmm. so important. Yep. Because it definitely affects me. And so, along with the nutrition and, and everything else that you that you've said, maybe that's why I'm feeling so happy now, right now, mm -hmm. uh, because I I like lately been working out two or three times a day. I've been going for a hike or a bike in the morning, and then I've yeah. been doing um, beach body on my on my TV, and then I've mm -hmm. been doing an evening or or a walk or hike. Yeah, I mean, or bike. So. The body wants to move. Yeah, it, it wants to move. It's made to move. Yeah, and the mind thanks you when you do what the body wants because yeah. it recognizes that, and it, everything functions more. Uh, effectively and efficiently when you do what your body wants you to do. Mm -hmm. That includes eating right, too. When you're putting a bunch of crap in your body that's not supposed to be there, your body's going to let you know, and your yeah. mind's, well, mind's going to let you know as well. It's going to say, hey, this sucks. And <laughs> everything even, sucks. Everything sucks, and mm -hmm. you might not even really realize why, but start eating right, see if it doesn't change your... Maybe cut down on the Cheetos. Maybe. Because red dye is a terrible one for mood, and that's one that I always tell people. Like, is that right? Yeah, get rid mm -hmm. of the red dye in your diet and see how you feel, because it's very reactive in your brain and does a lot of different things for different people. Yeah. But mostly it can make you feel anxious or grumpy. Why would you want that? Yeah. To encapsulate all of everything that you said, uh, all of these interventions to try and, and to mitigate... The, the effects of trauma, being intentional about these things is it's is crucial. You have to have it. Mm -hmm. If you allow the mind, especially a mind that's been traumatized, a mind that's under the stress of trauma, under the anxiety that it causes, the impact that's been that's been caused by whatever traumatic event that you suffered from, if you leave the mind to its own devices and you don't become intentional about what you do, you are never going to be able to really diffuse these things that are going to feed on themselves and then grow more and more so, and it will become a disorder. It, it will it will take over to some degree, and you're going to continue to face the effects of the trauma, and they're probably more times than not going to get worse. And I've met a lot of people who kind of are functional people with mental health issues mm -hmm. and don't really realize. It's almost like a functional alcoholic sure. where they have these things, but they don't feel like they're bad enough uh, to, to, to do something about like, mm -hmm. oh, I have these angry outbursts once in a while and I do this or, or I have avoidance tactics where I ghost people. That's a, that's a problem that you have. If you just don't, can't, if you can't express yourself to a person and say, Hey, I don't want to talk. Yeah. Like that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's avoidance of connection. And that's a real problem. So yeah. there's a lot of those kinds of things where people I've noticed people, uh, become really apathetic too. So I'm seeing a lot of different, uh, trauma responses right now and people, uh, pushing people away or pulling people really close. It's, it's really interesting to see the different ranges, but I think what you said is most important is if we would all just sort of think about more intentional living, mm -hmm. what is inside of our circle? And what do we have uh, the impact? What could we have the energy to impact for real? Yeah. Not what we perceive, but what for real do you? And if we all worked inside that circle, the magic thing is like collectively our, all of our circles would be better. Mm -hmm. So 
focusing on ourselves and our individual rights and whatever, but thinking about that, even just to make my, if, if it's going to make myself healthier, if I know that I'm not going to get sick because so-and-so is wearing a mask, then I'm going to wear one too. So, so it's, yeah, I can be selfish about it in that way. They're wearing it for me. I'm wearing it for them. Okay, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Think about it however you want, but it's this, you know, just that intentional, I'm going to, I'm going to do all the things inside my circle that I have the ability to impact. Mm-hmm. And then amazing things happen after that, yeah. I think. When, when things get back to normal, I'm curious on how people in our lives are going to react, like people who have been home yeah. majority of the time or working from home. Or, you know, I wonder if those people are going to be like indulge in situations more because they want that connection with people again, or if they're going to be more standoffish because they got used to being, the, you know, not being around people near as much over the past few months. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder that too, just because our social grace is already online. You can see they're, they're not so great in the, in the late. So I'm wondering, you know, are we going to be able to be in person a little bit better and connect a little bit? I, I just wish we could again, because I feel like we could squash a lot of this because we're just, yeah. We're just all traumatized. We talk oftentimes <laughs> about the possible and, and the the actual silver linings from this quarantine, from the COVID, the whole thing, hoping that community comes together more since, you know, everything from the toilet paper shortage, <laughs> right, to, you know, the actual, you know, being really concerned about our vulnerable populations. Um, er- everything like that we, we did together. We had this sense of cohesiveness in a crazy, chaotic, traumatic time. And I think there's there's potential for a lot of silver lining to come out of this, Agreed. even though there's a lot of you know unfortunately you know, small business have taken a hit yeah. big time. Business you know in general has just changed. Things are weird. Um, people are kind of weird, mm-hmm. but you know collectively we can come out of this with with uh, with a new sense of community, a new sense of purpose for each other. And in the middle of all this, once again, we've had the traumatic social civil unrest that has taken place. And we've a lot of people have been forced to sit at home, and, and they're not forced to watch the news and stay on social media. But they, they've chosen to. They've, they've been forced to kind of stay at home. They didn't have a choice. What's going to come of it? You know, and I, I, I like the question: Which way are we going to go? I think there's going to be a split. I'm hoping we're going to have more toward the silver lining than what we do toward the traumatized with their eight month bedhead coming out like they've been in a cave for eight months and you know wiping the the mm-hmm. goop out of their eyes and. Not knowing, maybe with a sharpened stick of some kind to have defend more, their tribe. Are we going to have more tinfoil hats? Maybe. Maybe that's the case. More conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. oh my out goodness. there now. Maybe. <sighs> I Which, can't even read the comment sections of those anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm, I know it. Go down a wormhole. You do, and I still appreciate them. Once in a while, yeah. Sometimes they get pretty wacky. Uh, I get I get tired of seeing them a lot of times, though, because it's too much. You know, it's too much. Things can, there are so many questions out there like that, but. I hope that we can. I hope that we can take the best out of all this. I hope that we can see our potential and come out in a good spot. I think hopefully having conversations like this and helping to try and and I love what you said, Michelle, about just kind of uh, taking care of your circle, taking care of your bubble. And if everybody took care of their bubbles, you'd have all these positive bubbles floating around. Yep. Then our you mirroring know? would feel good. If if everybody felt like you know I right. feel most days, then mm-hmm. you would feel good. You would feel good, and then we could all. Problem solve a little bit better, but as long as we're all feeling mm-hmm. wah wah, we're not going to be able to problem solve, and that's the real problem. Right, is that whenever we're all feeling traumatized, we can't do our best thinking and be, do our best solving. Mm-hmm. So, so perpetuate positivity. Amen.
Do it. And do it for yourself first and foremost. As a matter of fact, you have to. Yeah. Right? You, ha- you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. And that's a real statement. That, that's real yes. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not just something. It's not just a happy Instagram meme. No. You, if you try to take care of someone else without taking care of yourself, it's not going to last very long. You're and just you, depleting. Yes. And you can't take care of your of your your community and then your community at large, your, your society, your culture, your country. You can't do that if you have negativity in, in your perspectives and if you're not really open. truly being open and empathetic and, and trying to reach out at least in your own mind to see what it would be like to be in someone else's shoes mm-hmm. you know f- and figure it out and then realize that those human beings have in fact been traumatized we and, all have so that's the thing is whenever you start seeing like you you realize that everybody has trauma mm-hmm. then you i think we should all have a lot of compassion for each other right now instead of being so angry as like wow look at all the things we've been through together how about we just take a breath mm-hmm. and try to have some solution you know driven talks yeah and maybe just maybe don't reach out to the extreme sides i don't you know i i, I don't i don't myself i can't stand most extremes but reach out to someone in, in your own way and, and, and just kind of contemplate, how can I support you? You know, how can I, how can I do that? How can I at least be open-minded enough to be able to support those knowing that a rising tide raises all ships? You know, if we've got parts of the country that's in disarray, that's, that's, that's burning, man, that's still our country. That's still our backyard. That's still know? the people that live here. And we're all humans. Mm-hmm. And we should care about other humans no matter where they are. Absolutely. We should care about all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to fix it, but just like genuine care. I care about you, you know? Yeah. That's what being human, that's one of the wonderful things about being human is that we can have that cognizant thought is that I care about you and we can say it and we can express it in so many different ways in comparison to other beings on our planet. Mm -hmm. And we should take advantage of that and not use it in such a destructive way. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Michelle, thanks again for coming down. For sure. Up. Up. Over. <laughs> Around. Yeah. It was up and over. <laughs> and thanks, thanks for bringing Marvin. He's ha- he's added a new... He's so happy. Yeah. He's added kind of a new element to our mm-hmm. podcast today. I've got this dragon walking around my feet and mm-hmm. just... Chilling. Chilling. Interesting. Puffing up. I think he was puffing up at maybe the surge protector earlier. I think was. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he was either threatened or turned on by the surge protector. <laughs> I don't know. It has several outlets. Always good to see you, Michelle. Thanks again. Always good. Yes, thank you. All right. And we're out. Thanks again to Michelle Benedict and thank you, CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth is like a mindfulness session beside a peaceful flowing river to us. So don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety you hear right here on the CEP. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast to keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Also on that note, when you go to Apple Podcasts, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you are there to show your love for the CEP. And speaking of love, we love it when you give us all of your love on the socials. So when you go there, give us your love on the socials. And be sure to visit the launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you could do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Also remember that we have official CEP merch at byjack.com slash CEP. That's B-Y-J-A-C-K dot com slash CEP. So get online and get those who you love some CEP gear today. And that's all I got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there. See ya.